arrows, turn up and me through steroids, go stay on pull like arrows, like a so thick never narrow, dripping like pebbles and barrels. Welcome into the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Ryan Valiant here again, joined by Ben Mandel, Corey Jason back with us today. Dylan Mel still out, so if you want his thoughts on the NFC and AFC Conference Championships and his Philadelphia Eagles advancing to the Super Bowl, make sure you go check out Running Up the Score podcast with Dylan Mel. And thanks again to Tay G for that awesome new music for the show. We got a great one, short but sweet one here today. We'll take a look at those conference games I just mentioned. San Francisco and Philly, Cincinnati and Kansas City. We'll take a look at the outsider performances of the week, shining a spotlight on the guys that aren't necessarily household names, but help their teams win in a big way and continue that championship dream. And Ben, at the end of the show, we'll give a little announcement that you guys can look forward to later on this week. All right, so guys, let's get it kicked off here. San Francisco at Philadelphia. Maybe not the game we thought it would be. Philadelphia controls this game almost the whole way through. Brock Purdy gets injured. Josh Johnson comes in. He gets injured. Brock Purdy has to come out. And we were talking before we hopped on to record this. Brock Purdy's future could very much be in doubt here. Yeah, this is a bigger injury than I think some people might realize. And I actually have a... Looking back on it, it's funny, but at the time, it's not funny. Uh, High school football, I was a defensive player my first three years, so my junior year, I'm playing scout defense, and the starting tackle was just, he was really getting under my skin. He was really bothering me. So the next play, I was like, you know what? I'm going all out. I'm getting by you. I'm a defensive player. I'm a starting defensive player on the unit. I'm going out and making a play because I'm tired of just taking crap from you. And I just went, dipped under the edge, clean, right on the blind side of the quarterback in practice. And I strip sacked right on the arm and like just drilled him. I remember the other guys in the defense who were starting defensive guys all like picked up the ball and started running with me to the end zone. And the coach ran up to me and he started railing on me. He's whipping me in the helmet with his whistle, which if you have never had happen, it is a very loud ringing noise in your ear. And he's like, don't you ever touch my quarterback again in practice? What are you doing? Going nuts. And obviously, like, yeah, I know that's not something you're supposed to do. But I really didn't think about how dangerous that play is for your quarterback when you're hitting the quarterback's throwing arm. And Luke, if you're listening, I'm sorry, buddy. Brock Purdy likely tore his UCL there. Now, Corey, being a baseball fan, just like I am. We know exactly what that recovery time is and how serious it is for a quarterback. Brock Purdy is not touching the football field and throwing the football likely for at least 12 months, which puts him out the entire season next year. Yeah, you'll never hear from Purdy again. He is done. It's going to be too long of a recovery. He was a seventh rounder with honestly not that much talent, comparatively speaking. There's going to be somebody new, somebody younger. He might latch on in a practice squad somewhere, but his career is effectively over, I think. It's just it's a really sad way to end this story. And honestly, when he came back in when uh what was it, Josh Johnson got concussed, I thought maybe they would lead a comeback. Nice storybook for that, but he couldn't throw the ball. So respect for him from even getting back out there. But we saw a man's career basically end tonight. And it's very sad. So how does this uh in your guys' opinions affect the San Francisco quarterback situation because now this is San Francisco. This is back-to-back years in the conference championship game and they go on the road for both of them. They lose both of them in kind of different fashions here. 
Last year's was a little bit closer, if I remember, against the Rams. This one just almost start to finish. The Eagles dominate. And I thought that next year it would be Trey Lance will be their starter going into the year. Brock Purdy will be the backup, and they'll let Jimmy Garoppolo walk in free agency. Now I'm not too sure. Trey Lance, obviously, he'll come back. But if Purdy is out like you guys are thinking he will be, do they bring Jimmy back again and have him be the backup like they were going to go into this year? Or what do you guys think happens there? Yeah, I think that Jimmy G is going to go. I think he's not going to be starting next year. It will be Trey Lance. Now, I think how they go with the backup quarterback spot really depends on how much of their roster do you think they really need to fill in the draft? How much do they need to replace? How much do they need to supplement? Because again, this is a this was one of the most complete teams in the NFL. And that says a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles because the Eagles literally looked better in every single position on the field. And that's something that we were looking at. We thought the defense would keep it close, but it really didn't. Jalen Hurts proved that he's just going to move the ball and the Eagles are aggressive. They do not wait for you. And that's one of the things that Brock Purdy didn't really have to deal with. Even when he didn't have a great start, his defense kept him in games. Now, again, he was knocked out after the first drive. So Josh Johnson comes in and he didn't do anything. Purdy comes back in and can't throw the ball. Do they go draft someone late in the in the draft again? Do they grab someone in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round? Because Kyle Shanahan has proven he could win with someone like that. He could win games if he has to, but Trey Lance is the guy moving forward. Jimmy G knows that. There's no way he re-signs to be a backup. Yeah, I agree that Jimmy G's gone, but I don't think the opening day quarterback's on the roster for San Francisco. There's a guy down in Tampa, Tom Brady. He's their guy. They know their windows now. Trey Lance will be his backup. I think there is something funny going on with that injury too with Trey Lance. He just had surgery again, I think a couple of weeks ago to, re- to remove another uh, bone spur or something from his foot that he should be ready for uh, the beginning of camp, but they're not positive. There's something going on there. I think Tom Brady ending his career where his basically love for football started in the Bay. I think that's a great uh, a great story. I don't buy the Brady to Oakland and I don't think Brady retires. Brady had a rough year, but that was more injuries on his team and his personal life. I think he takes the offseason, gets it situated, goes down with an offensive genius in Shanahan with an elite-level defense and playmakers on that team, and we see Brady back in the Super Bowl next year. But Brady is going to be San Fran's guy. Train Lance will be their backup if because I don't think they look to trade him. But a year, two years from Brady there, that's, I think, what we're going to be looking at. I mean, wouldn't it be poetic if Brady does end up going to San Francisco and with Kyle Shanahan after Shanahan had that Super Bowl taken away from him by Brady because Kyle Shanahan's defensive head coach couldn't hold a 28-3 to lead? Now, for Tom Brady's sake, I again, I just don't know if he really has it. Now, if there's a team that's going to have everything around him, and be a perfect situation to win another Super Bowl, it's San Francisco. There's no chance, uh, there's no other argument there. There's no one else in that division that scares you right now, even if the Cardinals somewhat get their like crap together. You also have the NFC, which is a weaker quarterback conference, especially if Aaron Rodgers flips over to the AFC. 
Yeah, great points there. Great thoughts. And we'll look in one of our shows. Uh, obviously, we'll have sort of an off week with the Pro Bowl before we get to the Super Bowl. So we'll take those shows kind of in between there. And we'll be looking at sort of this quarterback carousel and where each of us think those quarterbacks could or will end up. But, I mean, Philly has shown they could win any type of game. A defensive slugfest if they need to run all over another team, throw over another team. So at the end of the day, I think Ben and I mentioned on our last show that these four teams in the conference round were the four best teams in the NFL. And I know Cincinnati has been on a hot streak, but Kansas City is Kansas City. And I think we have now, we had the four best in the conference round. I think we have the two best. And that's evidenced by the fact we have the two one seats playing for the championship. But let's move quick to Cincinnati at Kansas City. Another tight one. And look, the Bengals will be back. You know, there was some doubt uh, coming out of the Super Bowl last year with them. And they started off slow and went on another hot streak. They This was their first loss, I believe, since Halloween. So they know how to win games. They know how to, this roster will all be back together. They'll look to improve some spots. I know you guys will have some words about a certain person in the Bengals secondary. So let's open it up. What do you guys think about the Bengals future here? Well, I'm not so sure about the Bengals being back. And I'll touch on that in a second. But I do want to say this game really, really was close. And really, the Bengals, I thought, showed a lot. I think a healthy Patrick Mahomes. This is a completely different ball game. I think Kansas City does a little bit more offensively. But this is the style that Cincinnati has played Mahomes, even when he's healthy. And he has healthy weapons around him. They just kind of constrict hang around and more or less hope for things to go their way and that is what happened the first few times that these guys played now the last time I thought the Bengals looked like the better team and deserved to win and that wasn't the case in the playoffs or in the regular season last year I thought that the Chiefs were the better team and Cincinnati just outlasted them and hung around to win this time around Cincinnati actually looked like the better team and the more complete team But I do agree that Kansas City is the better team when Mahomes is completely healthy. Now, touching on Cincinnati and why I'm not so sure they're going to be back here, maybe next year, but that's their window. Joe Burrow on that uh, rookie deal for another two years, I believe. But after that, this is a very, very interesting roster to look at because T. Higgins is likely not going to be here. So now that's a big weapon for Burrow he's losing. Joe Mixon, what's his shelf as your running back? Because even if Joe Mixon stays, is he really going to have that much longer of a career? So now these are big key weapons on their offense they're going to have to replace when the offense is the clear strength. And while the defense has stepped up and made plays, they aren't the strength of this team and they aren't strong enough to carry you if your offense can't put up points. I'm going to argue and say that this might be the beginning of the end of the the Bengals window because this is year three for Burrow. What happens when a player is done with their third year in the NFL, especially as a first-year, first-round pick? They're eligible for an extension. You always want to be the team that sets the market. You don't want to have to follow up somebody else. So like the Giants with Andrew Thomas, the Bengals, are going to have to do it with Burrow. They're going to give him that major extension, and you want to get it in before the Jalen Hurts extension, the Herbert extension. You want to be the one that sets it. So the Bengals' cap space is is going to get much more interesting. And I know Burrow said that as long as he's on the roster, that's their window. But in all reality, 
they have a lot of holes. Their offensive line is not good, and they've been neglecting it for years. They're going to end up losing pro- probably their number two receiver. They're going to have to trade him because they're going to have to pay him. Plus, their defense just isn't there. Your secondary is not great. You have you have a starting corner that doesn't belong in the NFL in Apple. And the Bengals were a great story these last two years. But remember, they were a surprise last year. They maintained it this year, but their roster isn't really any different than when people were expecting them to be a below 500 team, literally going into just last season. The roster didn't really change and improve all that much. Now experience is there. Another year with Burrow and Chase and everybody, but there's reasons behind how people evaluate rosters. And the Bengals roster has some issues. All rosters do, but they were outclassed tonight. And I don't know, the way I felt watching the game was that it was never really leaning the Bengals way. I felt like Kansas City was in control pretty much the whole game, even down to that punt at the end that Kansas City was coming away with it. And that's just my feelings. But I don't know, I think the Bengals have some uh, inward looking to do in the offseason and try to figure out if they want to try to do a soft rebuild or if they're just going to throw it all away and go for it next year and then have to answer some questions down the line. But they're going to have to pay Burrow a lot, a lot of money, and it's going to kind of hamstring themselves. Yeah, Burrow will get paid, and I don't know. I don't think I hold the same amount of skepticism on this Bengals team as as you guys do because I view Burrow as one of the few quarterbacks in this league that can elevate the talent around him. I know this offensive line is not where it needs to be, but again, they were missing some key guys up there that they added last offseason. They, they have time. They could still wait. You know, we have Jamar Chase. He'll have to get paid. I think you can franchise T. Higgins if you need to, or again, trade him. And with that draft capital, we've seen it. There's, there's almost a surplus of talented receivers coming in the league every year now. That's where this game has kind of evolved towards is this passing game. And uh, you mentioned Joe Mixon too, great talent. But again, we see it as well. Running backs, there's a new crop, a new cycle every three or four years. And those are usually guys you could find on day two, day three, even of the draft or out on the free agent market. Look at Jamal Williams, moved over from Green Bay to Detroit, had a franchise record number of touchdowns. So production and volume, I think, what separates the Bengals right now, apart from some other teams with short Super Bowl windows, is I believe Burrow when he says his the window's open as long as he plays because this front office finally kind of figured out from previous regimes how to construct the team the right way. While Burrow's on this rookie deal, they throw a lot of money on the O-line and the defense and, and try and get some guys, and now that will sort of reverse itself where they're going to draft. They've been drafting some guys at those spots in the secondary on the D line on the offensive line, some, some backup guys that they hope can develop. So when Burrow does get that big money contract now, sort of all this other talent and Burrow strikes me as the type of guy that he'll, he'll get paid. He'll set the market. Like you say, but I think he'll take a small hometown discount, maybe a little less just to ensure that they do have enough money to kind of put a team around them and help them succeed. All right, moving into the outsider performances of the week. Again, shining a spotlight on the guys that aren't necessarily household names, but they help their teams in a big way this week to move on to that championship round. We're going to stay in Kansas City for the offensive and defensive side of the ball this week. First, though, I will give an honorable mention to the Eagles rushing game. All right, their offensive line, Jalen Hurts, go down the list. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. They ran over this tough 49ers unit. 
start to finish dominating that game as they have most of this year. But moving into our big performances, Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the offensive side of the ball. He was about one of half a dozen guys that Brett Veach and Kansas City Chiefs brass brought in to sort of offset the departure of Tyreek Hill from a year ago. Other names like Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney, Jarek McKinnon, a couple other guys. But Valdez-Scantlin, as the kind of rest of the receiver room was dropping like flies around him in this game, he stepped up. Great performance. And on the defensive side of the ball, Chris Jones, who he's a big name, but I think this was sort of him planting the flag as taking that next level, you know, going from superstar to is he maybe the best interior defensive lineman in the league, surpassing the likes of Aaron Donald. He had his first two postseason sacks when it mattered towards the end of this game to help launch the Chiefs back into the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think it's easy to kind of get lost in, oh, Chris Jones isn't really an outsider. Well, he kind of is because he hasn't had that big postseason performance, and today he did. He really stepped up. Not to mention the fact when you think of someone stepping up and making big plays for the Chiefs, it's not someone on the defensive side of the ball to begin with. And this is something I mentioned earlier on, I think either last week or in the show earlier this week. The Chiefs defense is better than people give it credit for and that is what has been the most impressive thing for me with the Chiefs is how much their defense has improved under Steve Spagnuolo and the fact that they do go up and get stops I said on Saturday this game was going to come down to which defense got a stop in the big spot and was able to get off the field in the fourth quarter and in this case, it was Kansas City, while Cincinnati takes a big penalty at the end of the game to put Harrison Bucker in field goal range. Because I'll tell you what, that kick was not going to be good without that penalty. Yeah, that kick wasn't going to be good. It's a tough penalty to swallow, and I kind of feel real bad for Asai. But you got to have more awareness than that. Don't stick your hands out. Do everything you can not to hit the quarterback there. You're running full speed. If you hit him, that's one thing. But the push, that's what got him. The Bengals were one play away from sending this to overtime, and who knows what would have happened. It would have been the first overtime with the new rule that, you know, Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen had basically made the league implement after last year. And it would have been really interesting to see. I don't know if the Bengals would have came away with it, but it's going to be one that they look back on and regret. And, you know, now this makes the Giants the only team to have never lost a championship game that they've been to. Out of all the teams that have been to the championship round, the Bengals were the only other team going into today that have never lost a game in their respective league's championship round. And now that leaves the Giants at a perfect 5-0 and is the only one remaining. Food for thought right there. There's your fun fact of the week. All right, Ben, I'll throw it to you. You got a little uh, teaser announcement for us? Yeah, Ryan, thanks. So... We have another show launching on Outsider Sports. I know Ryan and I are very excited exactly what that show is. You're going to have to wait till Tuesday to find out. We have the trailer releasing for our newest podcast on Tuesday. Make sure you take a look and follow our social media so that way you can keep your eyes out for our new podcast announcement coming again Tuesday morning. Yep, we're excited to continue growing the Outsider Sports brand. So make sure you guys look out for that announcement. Check us out on Instagram at Outsider Sports Network, on Twitter at Outsider Sports 3. Look us up on TikTok and YouTube. Just search up Outsider Sports. Our website is live again. We'll get some more content pumping up on there. 
And join us later this week when we take a look at the quarterback carousel. We got a little teaser of that even in this show. We know Corey and Ben's thoughts on Tom Brady and where he might end up. But we'll talk a few other quarterbacks and we'll take a look at the head coaching vacancies and hopefully some more get filled in before then. Have a great week, everyone. Look forward to it. For the shit I stand by So I kinda turn you on Seven months from July Eat the pussy like a ride When I met her she was shy Now it's hard to keep dry Now we're first in the cry Where the penny I supply Latest Gucci's and Fendi's But first we got a vibe Girl my hand kinda don't Till it's still on the slide Keep it sim Taking arrows through my heart Taylor I can't Buckles, lie Must flex. accuse it for I be the one who chase until Please he's let me go You yeah. can do better Dang. These times are hard Just let me go And don't you settle For nothing more than